Hey Bob Squad, Eddie from Grand Rapids shared a recent article with the cast, published on June 5th by James Eglinton, writer of a new critical Bob Inc. biography due this fall from Baker Academic and available for pre-order on their website today. In the article, Bob Inc. on Racism in America, he tells of Bob Inc.'s two trips to America in 1892 and then again in 1908 when he came to give his famous stone lectures at Princeton Theological Seminary, which later became his book, Philosophy of Revelation. On the first trip, Bobbing saw America through young, optimistic eyes. On the second trip, however, at the age of 54, Bobbing was much more critical of what he saw. As he and his wife, Johanna Bobbing Skippers, traveled the country, even dining at the White House with President Theodore Roosevelt, he saw things that troubled him. Eglinton writes of the shock that Bobbing experienced at the disrespect among the youth for their elders, the unbelief fostered in public schools, and most of all, racism. A Southerner even told him that African Americans were not human, but rather a mixture of humans with apes. Bob Inc. had earlier treated the issue of the Imago Dei, that is, man being created in the image of God in Reformed dogmatics. For instance, in Book 2, Chapter 11, dealing with human origins, under the heading of the unity of the human race, Bob Inc. explains in detail how the unity of the human race is a certainty in Holy Scripture. He appeals to passages such as Genesis 1.26, where God creates man in his image, and Genesis 10.32 with the table of nations that descended from Noah. He cites how Jesus is talking about creation when he's arguing about marriage with the Pharisees in Matthew 19 verse 4, and talking about creation of male and female. In Acts 17.26, we see Paul appealing to the creation of man in Athens when he's arguing at Mars Hill. And finally, there's the two-atom scheme that we see Paul putting forth in Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15. Bobbing says that the unity of the human race is something that has almost never been acknowledged by people who live outside the circle of revelation, those who don't believe the word of God. He points to examples such as the Greeks' view of barbarians and the caste system in India. He speaks of polygeneticism, popular from the Renaissance through early modernism. The idea that Adam was only the ancestor of Jews or white humanity, and other races descended from other sources. This argument was often employed to justify slavery. Bob Inc., writing on page 525 of Volume 2 of Reformed Dogmatics, talks about how it's understandable that variations of skin color, hair, language, religion, etc., as well as the expansion of humanity across the globe, would cause people to theorize about different origins. However, Scripture teaches that this diversity was actually the result of God's act of separation concerning humanity in Genesis 11 at the Tower of Babel. Bobbing writes, Scripture accordingly traces the origination of languages and of peoples to a single act of God by which he intervened in the development of humanity. The origination of distinct peoples has a deep religious ethical meaning and speaks of intellectual and spiritual decline. The more savage and rough humanity becomes, the more languages, ideas, and so forth will take different tracks. The more people live in isolation, the more language differences increase. The confusion of languages is the result of confusion in ideas, in the mind, and in life. This isn't to say that one group of people is better than another or that cultural differences are inherently evil. Instead, disunity within humanity results from intellectual and spiritual decline across the entire human race. Bobovink points out that there is a silver lining. He says near the bottom of page 525, 
Still, in all that division and brokenness, unity has been preserved. Genesis 10, accordingly, maintains the unity of the race in the face of all diversity, and Johann von Mueller, with good reason, said all history must start with this chapter. Bavink goes on to critique Darwinism's approach to humanity, saying that only a unified human race can produce the results that it observes. On page 526, he writes, The unity of the human race, as scripture teaches, is powerfully confirmed by all this. It is, finally, not a matter of indifference, as is sometimes claimed, but on the contrary, of the utmost importance. It is the presupposition of religion and morality. The solidarity of the human race, original sin, the atonement in Christ, the universality of the kingdom of God, the catholicity of the church, and the love of neighbor, these are all grounded in the unity of humankind. Jesus died to save his elect people. All are made in the image of God, and as Revelation 7-9 tells us, they come from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. If all of mankind was not descended from Adam, how could the second Adam make atonement and redeem those who are not? Bavink's theology, thoroughly biblical and thoroughly reformed, fueled his discomfort with American racism. As Eglinton writes in his article, Bavink was appalled by the stereotypes of African Americans by white Americans and saw a better understanding of the African American experience by reading authors such as Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois. Bavink blasted white Americans for prostitution, alcoholism, and mammonism, the love of money. Bavink says that because of its racism, America was a disaster. In his public lectures on his impressions of America, Bavink made dire forecasts on the future of a country founded on enslaved labor and warned young Dutch people not to immigrate there. He predicted increasing violence and bloodshed on account of racial hatred, and even contemplated publicly that this would lead the American experiment to fail altogether. So what was to be done? In one public lecture, Bavink argued that only the way of religion could prevent this future violence. The gospel teaches people that the whole human race is of one blood. The solution to racism is the unity that is only seen in and produced by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is interesting to see this in light of the current events taking place in our country today. How do we bridge this antipathy between sides? It's clear the gospel, that Jesus came and died for his elect, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father, that he is making intercession for us all, that he is preparing a place for us all, and that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead is the answer. May we pray that God will help us to see each other in light of this gospel as image bearers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. May Christians today, through their careful reading of scripture, come to these same conclusions written by Herman Bavink all those years ago. May God give us the courage to boldly do the same by God's grace in love. Amen. And toad scenes. <laughs>